Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May the 4th, and the chapter for today is the first chapter of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. The story is the continuation of God's working among His people. His sovereignty is on display And the man who had given permission for Ezra to return with the second return, Artaxerxes I, called Langeminus, from 464 to 424 B.C., he reigned a long reign in this empire. During this time, it was Nehemiah's turn to come to the forefront. Now, Ezra led the captives back in 458 B.C., and Nehemiah's time was 14 years later, 444. Obviously, they knew one another, at least knew of one another. And so let's get right into the text. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Kislev, which is the November, December time frame, in the 20th year. That was the 20th year of King Artaxerxes I. As I was in Shushan, the citadel, the palace, Shushan was about 150 miles north of the Gulf of what we call the Gulf of Persia or the Persian Gulf. And he had gotten word, Hanani, one of the brethren, had come back from Judah And Nehemiah asked about the captivity and those who were still living there. And the scripture says in verse 3, And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, this is over a hundred years after the first return. And still the walls were in shambles. Now, the walls of an ancient city were its determiner as to whether it was a city or not. You see, a city was not a city in ancient time unless it had walls. It might be a village, it might be a hamlet, it might be a town, but it wasn't a city unless it had city walls, unless it had gates that were fortified. A city in the Bible is always couched in the feminine gender, just like there's some things that are always masculine. God is always masculine because he is. A city, like the earth, is always feminine. The earth is in a feminine term. This is why, down through the years, that people from the Middle East have talked about Mother Earth. Now, we know that God is the creator of heaven and earth, and we know that that is part of New Age thinking and even Hinduism and others who talk about the earth as the mother of us all. That's not the case, but it is cast in the feminine gender. If you just take it as that, it'll help you to understand how the earth is talked about in the Bible. Well, a city is as well. You don't hear about the father city. You hear about the mother city. So you had walls. Now, it's interesting that those walls in ancient times were called skirts. Now, those hamlets, those villages, those towns that were on the outside of the city walls or the skirts of the mother 
city. They were called the daughters. The daughters were on the outskirts or out from under the skirts of the city walls. We still talk about that today. When someone is living outside the city limits, we say they are living on the outskirts. Now, Jesus used this terminology when he was on his way to be crucified. As he was walking out of the city, carrying the crossbeam, the professional weepers were weeping, and Jesus turned to them and said, Weep not for me, but for the daughters of Jerusalem. Now, he wasn't talking about the young teenage girls. He was talking about those who lived outside the city walls. Now, why would he do that? Because the Romans were coming. Forty years later, actually less than 40 years later after Jesus said those words, he knew that the Romans were going to come in. And those who live outside of the city walls are those who are mistreated, uh, who are treated in a barbaric way. And many times they're the ones that are abused, taken captive, as they um, use them sometimes as slave labor to build the ramps and the uh, ramparts against the city itself as they laid siege to it. So those towns and villages and hamlets outside of the outskirts, the walls, the skirts of the city, those would have been referred to as the daughters or the outskirts of the city. And so this is exactly why Nehemiah was weeping. He was in distress. The people were in distress. And the reason was the walls were broken down. They had never been repaired. The temple had been built. Worship had continued. But the people were very vulnerable. And Nehemiah knew this and it broke his heart. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. He mourned, mourned for many days. He says, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven. This is a term that is used, the Lord God of heaven, many times throughout the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And he talks about the great and awesome God. You keep your covenant and hesed. The word hesed here is not the ordinary word for mercy. It's the word which has far greater meaning than just ordinary mercy. This is the covenant love and loyalty, generosity, grace, mercy, everything all bound up in one. Twelve different ways it is translated in the King James Version because no one word or one concept can sum up really all that Hesed is. And so it says that you keep your covenant and your Hesed with those who love you and observe your commandments. And then he said, please, let, this is Nehemiah praying, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Now, this was an incredible confession that he was making. You see, he wasn't just praying for himself and confessing his own sin. He was also confessing the sins of his fathers. And that's exactly what God said to do. Now, he's said in praying to God, he said, God, remember what you said to your servant Moses. Now, isn't this amazing? Many times the great men and women of God will remind God, even though he doesn't need reminded, they will remind God of what he had said in the past. And it's not for his sake that they're saying that, but for themselves to remember the promises that God has made. 
It says, we have acted very corruptly. This is verse 7. Against you, and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word you commanded your servant Moses. In other words, you said, God, that we need to keep your ordinances, your statutes, your commandments. But you also said that you knew that we were not. And he said, if you are unfaithful, God, this is what you said. If you are unfaithful, we have been, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the father's part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there. And that's what he had done through Zerubbabel and then through Ezra in the second return and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now, these your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your power and by your strong arm. Oh, Lord, I pray. Please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. He's talking now to God and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, Artaxerxes, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, it's interesting that he is referring back to the words of Moses, I believe, in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, where God says, if you disobey me, if you get into the land and you start acting like the rest of the nations that you're going in to conquer, and you begin to worship other gods, then I am going to bring the curses upon you and you will be spewed out of the land. But then he said in that same chapter, if you will turn to me with all of your heart and you will confess your sin, I will gather you from wherever you are and I will bring you back into the land. It says, if indeed even you call out to me and confess your sins, it says that he would come and he would bring them back into the land and would restore them and bless them. And Nehemiah is praying this. And then he says, I have to talk with the king about this. And he said, it's very important that you understand who I am. I am the king's cupbearer. Now, who was a cupbearer? That was the person who tasted the king's food, who drank a sip of his wine. And if the king was to be poisoned, then it was going to have to go through this cupbearer. And so actually the king became very close. It was a trusted ally. Only the closest to the king would be the cupbearer because his very, the king's very life was in the hands of this cupbearer bear who tasted his food and drank his wine to make sure that it wasn't poison because always as you recall in ancient history someone was poisoning or murdering continually the kings and this is the way that succession was had in the ancient world and so Nehemiah being a very trusted friend of the king and servant of the king, Nehemiah knew that he had one chance at this because when the king saw that he was sad, it was not good. And when he saw that Nehemiah's face was not good countenance, it was not good for Nehemiah because he would think something's up. And in the next chapter, we're going to see exactly this is what happened. Why? Because Nehemiah was the cupbearer. Oh my goodness, it gets better and better as 
as we go along. Continue the journey with me through the book of Nehemiah as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.